Hey, and welcome everybody, and thank you to our first 2019 podcast. Parents Engaging Parents is a beautiful year. We had a great 2018, so many wonderful guests, um, so many wonderful parents, educators, supporters of education reform. Just digging into the topics that education and quality education that we need for our children is spoke on and then moved on. So today we have another dom- just just amazing topic that we want to talk about today, and it's something that's been um, moving through our state for a minute now, and is getting a lot of traction, and that's the graduation requirements in New Jersey. So today, Thursday, February 7, 2019, we want to talk about graduation requirements in New Jersey, and we have some guests that's going to come and, and get into the conversation with us. We have a good friend of mine, a principal here in New Jersey. We're going to have Rashad Mickens on today. Then we have another friend of the uh, show, friend of the energy, friend of the space, a uh, quality individual also, T.J. Best, um, freeholder um, T.J. Best, and also an educator in his own right is going to join this conversation. So us three men are going to have a, a well-rounded conversation on the graduation requirements in New Jersey. So I thank you all for listening in. And remember, the mission and vision is for every child, regardless of where they live, deserves the best education the state can provide. And parents engaging parents, we have established this through parents and guardians who want to advocate for the education rights of their children in New Jersey. This coalition of parents is utilized to engage and spread the awareness all over to making sure that this conversation is heard and respected and the voice and the choice of our parents as full partners in our children's education experience is thoroughly heard and respected. So I want to thank you all for listening in. I want to bring in our our esteemed guests and our friends um, as they come on and as they bring in this information. And remember, this is a series of dialogue. So Feel free, listeners, if you think that you want to bring some energy, some information, you want to bring the voice here on education and the topics that are going on in our state, feel free to um, to hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, I'm on all the social sites. Check our webpage out, Parents Engaging Parents, excuse me, www.parentsengagingparents.org. Take a look and, and listen to the different podcasts that have been aired, that have been um, shared in the space. We want you guys to, to charm in. We want you guys to take a look in and see what's going on because I'm not here to say I'm the guru of education, that I know everything, that I know every point, that I have everything locked in. But what I do have is a large range of parents that I definitely engage from Atlantic City all the way to Passaic, New Jersey, and just sitting down taking one-on-one meetings, sitting down, taking listening sessions, sitting down, doing chat and choose just to get the information from the sources, but then even more taking that information to the state house, to our local school boards, even to our local um, policymakers and, and elected officials. Once again, because let's be clear, they're parents too, and they have an opinion, but they also have a duty. On, on, on their on, for their job and for what we elected them for. So we want to make sure that we engage them. And some things are going to come down the pipeline for parents to be involved in. We want to make sure that they're engaged and that they're in the know. 
So please, let's continue to bring awareness. Let's continue to share the information that parents are engaging parents and that we are sharing the information about quality education for all children. Children are in in private schools. Children are in magnet schools. Children are in alternative schools. Children are in traditional schools. Children are in charter schools. Children are homeschooled. There is a wide range of education being provided to our children here in the state of New Jersey, yet we want to make sure that it's quality. We want to make sure it's, um, we have equity in the education. You know, New Jersey has a strong stance in our country as one of the top states when it comes to education, yet we know in that same breath that there's a large gap in education here in the state of New Jersey from the, the individual children and scholars who have a vast range of information and knowledge academically when it comes to education. And then, unfortunately, the children in that very same state will have no information at that level and no opportunity to reach these resources that will be able to be given to our children as they gain this experience that they have. We're talking about 12 years of a education that's supposed to be freely given to our children. And we need to make sure that that's the 12 years of the best quality we can. We're going to have to pay for their college once they finish high school. We're going to have to pay for, or they're going to have to pay for their college after they finish high school. So somebody's going to pay. So let's make sure that we're going to be paying, AKA investing into our children, into their future right now. We can't wait till they get to 12th grade, then realize they have to take remedial classes, realize they have to take remedial math, realize that we were shortchanged on the educational experience our children were supposed to receive. We already know this is happening. We know colleges are receiving at a high rate of children, scholars coming out of high school who have to take remedial classes, which means that those classes they have to pay for, they're not going to be given credit, be given credit to be able to go court towards their degree. So these are the type of things we want to talk about here at PEP, here at Parents Engaging Parents. So once again, I'm Therese Frazier. I'm the host of the show. I want to continue to bring on more voices, different voices, voices that can, once again, be in a productive, constructive, positive focus towards where we can go in education. So I want to bring on one of our um, our guests. Um, do, do I have my... I have, I have the brother on the line, Principal Mickens. Are you in? Absolutely, I'm in. How you doing, my friend? How you doing? Definitely, I'm, definitely. I'm doing Thank well. You. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, real quick, so before I ask you to introduce yourself for the listeners, I want to bring in my other brother, another powerful individual in this education um, space, this, this a fighter, a champion, uh, first time to the show. Um, I want to bring the brother T.J. Best, um, uh, freeholder. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, sir. Thanks for having me. Man, thank you so much, man. First and foremost, I want to let you guys give just a you know a short introduction to the listeners of who you are. I gave them a little something, but please, if you just introduce yourself to the listeners. I want to start with you, um, um, Principal Mickens. You know, your returning guest. So please let let the listeners know. Uh, my name is Rashawn Mickens. Um, I currently serve in the capacity as Principal Abraham Park High School in Roselle, New Jersey. Thank you, thank you. And um, and um, um, TJ, 
if you could um, also give the listeners an opportunity to understand who you're from. Sure, no problem. Uh, again, my name is TJ Bess. Uh, I have the fortunate privilege of serving as a Passaic County freeholder. Um, but in my day job, I am the director of student attendance and anti-bullying for the Patterson Public School System. Thank you, gentlemen. So like I said, I believe we'll be able to have a, a good in-depth conversation coming from educators and another voice, and I obviously know you guys hear it, is the male voice that's been hidden and hiding and uh, been thought of not being existent heavily in education, and I'm great and thankful that I have two heavy engaged um, educators on the line with us today. So I want to jump into it. The graduation requirements here in New Jersey. Um, Principal Mickers, let me lean on you first. As a high school principal, the graduation requirements in New Jersey. If you could just give the listeners your your understanding of what that is. Uh, you know, fulfilling, of course, uh, a certain amount of coursework and also um, course subjects that have to be passed over an extended period of time. So students fulfill those, you know, and, of course, with the state standardized assessment, they'll be able to move on. And there's a couple factors that come into place. They have to have physical education, four years of physical education, um, four years of English, uh, three years of mathematics, science, and electives, of course. And now they just passed a bill where financial literacy is mandatory, which is very important, um, I feel, because many of our students aren't prepared to deal with the ills of finance, especially when they go off to college. I know I fell into that trap. When I went to college, went off to college, and I was racking up on those Discover cards, and unfortunately I had to pay for it in the end, you know, with mm-hmm. bad credit and things of that sort. So um, it's very important. I just wanted to highlight that, that that is a bill that's been passed that's mandatory for our students to have financial literacy as a course while they're in high school as a requirement. Definitely, definitely. Let me, um, I'm Charming and TJ, um, if any, please feel free to um, ask any question, anything that you may see is something that may be drawn up for your experience of working in the school system for years. This is Definitely um, an added plus of having your experience at the table. But as a, just, and you're a parent also, but from just a parent perspective, on the outside looking in, who's not inside the school building as administrator in that field, let me ask you, um, um, Principal Mickens, what is the current issue with the graduation requirements in New Jersey? So right now there's press that's going on about the requirements of graduation, and I see the, the Senate has had hearings, there's been different articles going on, something about park, there's something about just assessments. Like, what is the current issue with graduation requirements oh. in New Jersey? Well, I think I think there's a lot of factors. Uh, okay. First and foremost, there's a lot of inconsistencies, you know, because each district varies with regard to what their requirements are or what the credit requirements are for graduation. So, for example, in Roselle, the requirements for graduation – Credit-wise, it's 123 credits. You have some districts where there's 140 credits that are needed for graduation. You have some districts where there's 160 credits that are needed for graduation. And that makes for difficulty, right, because mm-hmm. some students, if they come from another district, we've had many students, for example, that have transferred over to the Elizabeth School District, and they find mm-hmm. themselves, you know, sort of behind in credits. So 
when they left Elizabeth, they were behind in credits um, because they didn't achieve the maximum. Let me jump in credits. real quick, big bro. TJ, what Definitely do you know the requirements in, Pat- in Patterson? Uh, yeah, Patterson uh, follows the state requirements. Actually, it's a, it's a little more than the state requirements. I think it's 125 uh, uh, credits, uh, so it's one additional class. Um, but again, New Jersey requirements are 120. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's possible to still receive a New Jersey high school diploma, um, you know, just meeting the minimum standards, you know, uh, which is kind of interesting. I, I've seen in the past some students receive a New Jersey high school diploma and not necessarily a diploma from their, uh, from their actual high school, which is, uh, which is pretty interesting. Interesting. That's definitely interesting. Okay. Um, and also how do, how does, how does this affect New Jersey high school students with these different varieties of, I guess, you know, requirements? Like, so you said there was a child that went to, from Roselle to Elizabeth, then they were behind, like, so, like, let's dig into that. What, what, how is that affecting these children? These, these well, children looking to move yeah, on in their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's discouraging. Of course, it's discouraging because you have it. You know, you're in a place and you thought it was secure with your graduation requirements, and then you move on to another place and they're telling you that no, you need this amount of credits to matriculate or to receive, as the brother stated, a diploma from this institution. So it's frustrating. And, you know, students have the tendency, especially if they don't have that support in backing at home, to want to give up, you know, give in and, and just say, hey, I'm going to wave in the door and towel. This is too much. This is too tasking for me. You know, this is, you know, not, not manageable. So, you know, they find themselves at a crossroad. You know, what am I going to do? And then you talk about dropout rate, and, you know, GED, and that comes into play. That's a factor as well. So, you know, there's definitely... TJ, let me ask you, um, Freeholder, um, as far as, so uh, let me, help me out, um, Principal Mick, if I'm, if I'm wrong, a part of the requirements, too, is the assessment um, test angle? Most definitely. Yes. What, like, so let's, let's so, dig into that a little bit. Um, what, what does that mean? What is the assessment that is utilized or needed to graduate from high school at, you know, I got, I guess after, you know, I, I put seniors. So let, let, what, what, what is that? Cause I'm, I've been hearing from parents that's been an issue in their, in their mindsets too. It's so, um, well, there's, there's two issues on that. Um, okay. one thing, the state put something in place, um, where there was an assessment that students had to pass in order to graduate. Um, however, that's been overturned, um, by the New Jersey court system, and it's still uh, up in the air whether or not the Department of Education is going to appeal that. So um, as of this June, or uh, schools can't put a requirement on the the um, uh, graduation to have a student pass the park assessment. Um, and even with that, there were still three different pathways in which a student can graduate. So there, there is a requirement um, that you do have to take a test, um, but there's three ways to do it. So the first thing is is the um, park, which, um, you know, a lot of people were upset about. Okay. Uh, and you would have to take the park assessment, and you would have to actually pass that with a passing score. Okay. Um, the second pathway is if you chose not to take the park, you could actually take another designated assessment. So you could take the SAT, 
You could take the ACT. You could take the Accuplacer test, which is given, um, you know, for a lot of students who are interested in entering into the military. You could even okay. take the PSAT, um, or you could take the ASVAP. I'm sorry, the ASVAP is the one that was given to uh, yeah, students yeah. who are interested in um, in entering into the military. So, you okay. know, you could take either one of those, uh, and then, again, there was a designated cutoff score in which students had to, to pass in order to do that. So let's say, for example, a student refused to take um, that assessment or, you know, didn't perform well in that assessment. They try to take another assessment. They didn't perform well in that assessment. Then it goes to the third pathway, which is a portfolio appeal process, yes, which correct. essentially – um, you know, schools have to determine whether or not a student meets the uh, minimum criteria that the uh, Department of Education laid out um, in both English language arts as well as mathematics. And um, unfortunately, and in, uh, in most of our urban areas, especially in a place like the city of Patterson, you know, I would say about uh, over 80% of our students, I think only 17% of our students actually currently pass through the assessment. So that means that over 80% of our students are actually passing wow. the uh, portfolio appeal process. So if if this process is supposed to be an alternative, but the alternative is actually becoming the, the first so option handy. for many of yeah. our students, it, is it really even worth, you know, requiring the assessment at all? in that place and, and, and taking a lot of time away from instruction to focus on these uh, standardized tests. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, Principal Mickers, what's, what's, what's your angle on that? No, uh, and he said everything I was thinking <laughs> perfectly. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it's so true. Um, you know, the pathways that he mentioned you know, as a high school principal, um, you know, this is what we're dealing with currently now. Uh, we have about, of course, we don't have as large of a population as Patterson does. And we have one high school there, and we're a much smaller uh, community. But, um, you know, we have quite a few of our students that are actually going through that process, the appeal process now. Um, fortunately for us, um, we actually scheduled the Accuplacer and also um, the ASVAT. We have two more sittings for that. So, you know, the, the more sittings, I guess, the better chances of those mm-hmm. students hitting the mark, you know, but sometimes hey, students aren't fortunate enough to do so, mm-hmm. so they have to resort to the other alternative, which is what you ask- mentioned, the portfolio I'm sorry. assessment. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can I ask you, um, um, what's your, like, like, so um, TJ just gave us um, a snapshot as far as what it looks like over there in um in Pat and Patterson's district, is your district um similar, different um when it comes to those three um parameters to um for graduation? Which one is the one that's more the pathway that's being utilized for the graduation assessment? The, um, the other routes, which is I would say right now for us it's kind of split down the middle mm. with the ASVAT, the Accuplacer, and as he mentioned, the appeal process for the portfolios. So it's kind of split down the middle right now, you know, more or less, you know, 50-50, 45-55 along those lines, you know, give or take. So, okay. you know, we, we try to, and, you know, he would attest to it as well, we tried as much as possible, we try to steer our students away from the portfolio process, you know, because, you know, you want to make sure that when the students are sitting to take these assessments, you know, that they're, able to and they have been able to 
you know, gather and garner enough information for them to do well on these assessments if they're considering those, you know, requirements for graduation. You hope the knowledge that they were able to attain over the course of time will actually show itself on the assessment, you know, and the results will be favorable. Exactly. But, you know, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes that's not the case. Let me ask this, because TJ, you 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 kind of you threw this out there earlier, um, and I'm asking this, so I'm, and it's coming from me. So, why not just get rid of assessment test? And I'm asking you, um, as a principal, you, um, <laughs> TJ, as a yeah. like, why, like uh-huh. I'm a parent. Why not just get rid of it then? If if in Patterson, eighty something percent is going through the other route, and and Roselle, fifty percent is going through the other route too. So we still seeing a lot, like there's still a lot of percentage going through the other route versus assessment. Yes. Why not just get rid of it? So he, he, now here's the funny thing. Uh, I'm, yes, I'm 37 years old. Just had a birthday. Okay. Um, so Happy birthday. I, Happy birthday. I was in, thank you. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Uh, so when I was in high school, we had to pass the HSP. Yes. T, which is the high school proficiency test. Yes. Um, a couple years later, they changed it from a high school proficiency test to a high school proficiency assessment. And the whole logic behind the test versus the assessment was that the, uh, an assessment is used to determine, um, you know, what the deficiencies are, what the strengths are, and then you could incorporate that, use that data to strengthen um, a child's educational outcome, right? So if you have an assessment, um, and PARC, for example, is an assessment. That mm-hmm. data is supposed to use, be used the following year to um, essentially uh, direct instruction. So based off that assessment, you could say the child is weak in this particular area. We need to focus mm-hmm. more on that area. The child is very strong in this area. Therefore, he doesn't need as much strength in that area. Um, so an assessment, just to determine where students are academically to find out how to um, create an instructional program for that child is really important. Um, however, to use that assessment then as a determining factor of whether or not the student will be successful in life, I think is very unfair. And I think that's where, uh, where so many parents had an issue with. Um, also, when you have high-stake assessments or high-stake tests, um, all of the pressure is then put on to pass the test, to pass the assessment, and, you know, you lose a lot of the freedom in a classroom, which makes learning fun, um, and what actually adds to uh, the overall growth of making a well-rounded student. Um, at the end of the day, any educational uh, institution wants to make sure that they're preparing a child to be successful in life, to be successful mm-hmm. if they decide to go to college or if they decide to go directly into industry. Um, but you want them to be well-rounded and balanced. <laughs> Um, a lot of the balance is lost when there's so much energy and effort being placed on assessments. It's taking away creativity from the teachers in the classroom, and is a uh, essentially time, what they call it. <laughs> exactly instructional time. Uh, oh, un- uh, and it's also causing a lot of students to have anxiety. Mm, um, and um, mm. and I think anxiety amongst our students is, is a very, very big issue that comes about from these tests and assessments. And one of the things, just anecdotally, Compounding a lot um, of them with I the trauma see, they're already dealing with. Exactly, exactly, especially in our urban areas. But uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that, that I've seen was that 
for students, uh, for, for classrooms who actually don't put the emphasis and for schools that don't put the emphasis on the assessments, students tend to do better. So when the teacher and the principal is just like, you know what, when the test comes, we'll take it. But up until the test, we're just going to go through our curriculum. We're just going to learn. We're going to act like this test isn't even here. And then when the test shows up on Friday, we'll take the test, and whatever happens on the test happens on the test. And, again, anecdotally, I've seen that students actually perform better underneath those circumstances as opposed to just uh, drill, 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 drill on, um, on the assessments. It's, not, it's funny you and, said and that I, because when I, oh, pardon me, let me just throw this in there because no you said something that was so important because fortunately for me, I, unfortunately, I got taken out of traditional public school because they wanted to put me in special education. They thought I was off the chain, blah, blah, blah. They didn't want to deal with the trauma that I was dealing with as a foster child being took her from Newark into Elizabeth, starting all over. They didn't want to deal with that. So my mom put me in Catholic school. And in that those years of Catholic school, to your point, it was always about instructional education. It was when we took the test, we took the test. It was just test week and we knew about it maybe two weeks before, but we did not sit down all year and worry about a test. So that was definitely something I know was seen in private education versus traditional. But go ahead, Mr. Mick um, Principal Mick, sorry. Oh, I was gonna just uh, piggyback on what he was saying. I mean, to take it even a step further, that's okay. why in my opinion you have so much turnover and people that aren't going into the profession of teaching anymore because there's just so much emphasis and so much pressure also put on the educator. You know, you had these student growth objectives and these student growth percentages that you have mm-hmm. to meet, and that's now a part of the teacher's evaluation. So if these students aren't performing well on these state standardized assessments, like he mentioned, high-stake assessments, then the teachers are getting deemed on that. And ultimately, yeah. if they get poor evaluations consistently, if they're tenured, they can lose their tenureship. You know, they get poor evaluations. If they want to move on, they can't do that because the evaluations are poor. So it's a trickle-down effect. I just wanted to add that as well. Let me add yeah, this uh, too. One of the other things okay. I just want to, I want to put on uh, another element into it from the other side, um, just to play devil's advocate. You know, the the people who fund education, like in our case, the state of New Jersey, which um, mm-hmm. provides, you know, over 75% of our actual funding in the district, you know, they want to make sure that their investment is going to good use. And the way they determine that is by using this uh, park assessment to compare the student performance in Patterson for throughout all of the students in the state of New Jersey and throughout mm-hmm. the country. You know, um, in the past, before we had PARC, before a lot of states, they had a different type of assessment. And based off the assessment that, you know, some were harder, some were easier. Uh, If you remember back in the day, you know, we used to take the CAT, the CAT test. But that Mm -hmm. was a California achievement test. You know, so we in New Jersey were taking a test that was developed in California. Um, There's um, in New York, they take the regencies. Mm -hmm. Um, So each state had a different type of assessment. Um, and what the federal government was saying with, with those, you know, uh, the educational uh, people in the, in, the, in the federal government was essentially saying is we want to know how our students are doing overall apples to apples, not apples to oranges. So let's give them one assessment. Let's find out how they're doing. And that way we can really see if New Jersey is producing a higher quality student than California or than Texas or than Florida mm-hmm. um, by giving them the exact same test. 
and and I'm not even talking about all the biases in the test and so forth, but just by giving them the test, that that's yeah. how they they were determining that. Let me yeah. let me ask this to you, gentlemen, um, because one thing I was able to see when we talk about the assessment um, test and even assessment excuse me being utilized for teacher evaluation. So I actually remember when there was a um, a cry, maybe last year, maybe a year before when the assessment. And the assessment um, percentage was for the teachers was at like what thirty percent, and they wanted it down to like ten or something of that nature, and they pushed back and da da da, and it was stuck at thirty. Yet I know now, isn't it at five percent? That's utilized to uh, for assessment of the teachers when it comes to these tests. Or am I or am I mistaken yeah. now? Yeah. Uh, so I'm what not, is it now? I'm not really sure. It, it's um. It's low. I don't know the exact percentages out, but I know it's much lower than it was before. Yeah, just it's down. either ten. It, it's either ten or five. It's either ten or yeah, five. I, I know it's. I just was somewhere and they yeah. said five. I thought it was ten, but yeah. I heard it yeah. said five. It, it, I wasn't it's ten sure. or five. I, I believe I, I want to lean hard toward ten, but it's it's significantly lower than it was before. So doesn't that help to that argument? <laughs> doesn't that help to that argument of? The stress the teachers are going to go through if it's not thirty percent no more is only now five. But that helps. But I guess yeah, it helps the teachers. So that that factors in. So not yeah, as much and, emphasis. And now they're saying that, not as much emphasis is now being put on this assessment. You know, I mean, that's what we're saying. It's there, not absent. So what they're saying is they want to kind of ease the tension or ease the stress of the teachers. But mm-hmm. you know, and and working with teachers daily. Because it's still connected to their evaluation, of course, for them, you know, it's it's always going to be so much stressful, you know. Okay. Uh, whereas in the past, that, that was never connected. Like the, my brother mentioned when they were, we were taking the, the HSPTs and the HSPAs, we were in school, it was the CAT test. You know, no teacher evaluation was connected to a state standardized assessment or, or assessment that's such a high-stakes assessment, you know. So that definitely defers, but... Um, the, their mindset was less less in the load on the teacher when it comes to having that be a direct link to their evaluation. So, you know, ed- right education now, is one of those. Okay. I'm sorry, I was going to say education is one of those real interesting um, industries mm-hmm. where uh, students are industry. both your business. Yeah, it's, a, it's an industry. I mean, because it's billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah, definitely, exactly. industry. there's jobs. There's, you yes. know, there's, there's there's a product. You know. But but it's it's interesting and it's different than, than any other industry because you know students are both your product and your mm-hmm. client, right? So so you know you're over here on one sense, right? You're working for the student, mm-hmm. right? You're yeah. working for yeah. the family. You're working for the parents, right? You're working for the community, and yet the students that you produce, right? The success you produce is also your work product. So it's, it's it's real interesting that, you know, how do you then evaluate uh, in any other industry, right? You evaluate, you know, your worker's performance based upon the product, right? So if the, if, if the product you're producing, if I'm making, you know, Coca-Cola and it's flying off the shelf, you know, and everybody's buying it, right, then that means it's a good product. Everybody wants it, right? If I'm producing students at a high rate from a high school that are all going to Harvard and Princeton and Yale exactly, and yes. Morehouse and Spelman, and you know, mm-hmm. then that means I'm, I'm producing a high quality. But now, if I have a graduation rate that's at ninety percent, 
but only 10% are actually choosing to go to college or getting accepted into mm-hmm. college, what then is the value of that product that I'm producing if nobody wants to essentially buy my product, which are my students, if nobody wants to, you know, bring bring my students to their university, if nobody wants to hire my students in their industry, then, you know, am I really being mm-hmm. successful as a teacher or as an educational system, let me put it that way. That's interesting. That's interesting. So how does these assessments um, – so why are these assessments important to college or career readiness then? Because it gives these institutions uh, a parameter. It, it gives them a measuring stick. You know, it, it's used as a tool of measurement to determine where students are um, and where they're going to be coming into these institutions, you know. That's the same thing with the, you know, the active place or the ad wrap. So these assessments are used as the measuring stick, you know, that yeah. determines, okay, where I'm going to place this person. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, we, we are finding a lot of uh, colleges that are moving away from it, though. A lot of colleges mm-hmm. aren't, aren't acquiring, yeah. you know, uh, standardized or SATs or ACTs anymore. You know, so, for example, William Patterson, I'm sorry, Montclair State University doesn't require Okay. It, longer required. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think so they'll need a lot others. more colleges doing that. So what do they use? I think you will. See more. TJ, um, so what would they use then? So, they use the grade point average. They okay. use the the type of courses that students have taken. So Ooh. whether or not they've taken honor courses, advanced mm-hmm. placement courses. courses. Yeah. yeah, they're they're looking at um, you know, they're they're trying to look at the overall student. They put more emphasis mm-hmm. on the resume. They put more emphasis on the um, student work. The uh, yeah, the student work, the letter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they're they're focusing on other things. Not just mm-hmm. um, just that SAT score anymore. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Uh, wow. I mean, some schools are even doing interviews. So, wait, you said some of them are doing what? Interviews? Interviews. Yeah, they're interviewing. They're, they're interviewing students. You know, just to make sure the student is the right fit. Mr. Yeah. Wilmer, how do you, how how like and I like I like that what um what TJ was saying. How do you see mm-hmm. the students and um you know because I know you. You know, throw a little, little little clap for you. You know, I know you just, you know, got that um, turnaround school award. You know, so yeah, like yeah. how how the product coming out your out your shop? <laughs> you know, yeah. I got you a full well, like, I, I got you, I, I got you a full blast now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would say always a work in progress, Al. You know, um, you know, we've been definitely uh, pleased with some of the success that we've had, and I say we because you know. Collectively, I believe that it takes a village. You know, no one person can do it alone. Although I hold the title as principal, I know I'm just as good as the people that support me and back me and work with me for the sake of our scholars. And, you know, we were able to, you know, turn that school around. And I tell people all the time, there, there's really, and I just put something on Facebook as a post, and I said, there's really no secret to what we do. It's simple. You know, we just really, really honing on the whole child. And I think the brother was kind of alluding to that earlier. I mean, you know, yeah, we know the focus is math, English, science, social studies, but we're also we're also really addressing that social and emotional piece as well, that social and emotional learning, because that's so important. If the kid is not sound mentally, 
they're, I mean, what are they going to actually do when they come to school? They're not checked in for math and English if they had problems at home and, you know, mm-hmm. they have all these other things going on in their lives. So let's really look into that. Let's touch into and really address what's going on with them in their lives, you know. And once we did that and students really realized that many people genuinely care about us, then the academics really started to unfold and they begin to show their true potential. But it wasn't really right. addressed the whole child. Yeah, it wasn't until we addressed the whole child that we got the results that we have now, you know. So just throwing that out there. You'll see a lot of that in the state now. A lot of, and the commissioner actually just put something out a couple months ago on social and emotional learning. That's like his charge as the commissioner. But, you know, we've been doing it for quite some time, and, you know, we were able to definitely get a lot of the results that we've gotten because of that, you know, that was programs, just bringing in, you know, mentors and, you know, people that can really, really support our scholars on an even higher level than just the academics. And yeah, and Tia, you did kind of, well, not kind of, you you did bring that energy of understanding as far as seeing the child holistically. How's that energy over in your side of town in, in Patterson? I know that's what you said is the focus, but is how's that energy over there? Is that a look? Is that something that's about to do something they are doing? Something that's been working like? So, so um, I mean, we're doing some, but I think we need to do more, right? And, okay. and I think that's across the board, right? So I, I don't want to take a total shot at us, right? So obviously, <laughs> when you're dealing with a, a, a large urban area with a, um, a economically depressed community, you know, uh, drugs, violence, gang, mm-hmm. the window, broken window exactly. theory um, that applies here. You know, there's a lot for you know students to have to deal with in, in their daily you know, thing. I, and I appreciate what the principal was talking about. You got to think of it just the time that it takes a student to get from their house to the school. You know, before they leave their house, they have to put on essentially a full body of armor just to deal with and combat all of the, the stresses and strains from society just to get into the school building. They got to walk over drug dealers and you know, and, and, and crackheads and, you know, abandoned buildings and, right. you know, just, just tons of and violence just to get into the building. So by the time, you know, the, the child gets into the building and, and they sit in the chair, they're not ready to open up Chapter 5 and start reading. You exactly. Know, uh, so it, it takes time in order to process that and, and, and to actually understand what that child just went through, um, you know, Break that down, but still have an understanding that despite the fact that these child, these children may come from a rough environment, that they still have the aptitude and the ability to achieve at a very high level. Um, you know, the worst thing we can do for a child in an urban area is mm-hmm. to sell them short and feel like they can't do more and, and set very low, low expectations for them. So it's yeah. a combination of understanding that they have to deal with a lot. Right, um, helping them to get through that, but also mm-hmm. having high expectations for them that they can learn and that you will support them in their in their mission to learn. So locally in Patterson, what we did was um, we created a chronic absentee specialist. Um, it's a pilot program this year where we essentially took some of the uh, all of our high schools uh, and some of our elementary schools that had the highest rates of, of students who are chronically absent. Um, you're chronically absent when you miss more than 10% of the school year, which is essentially 18 days. So you miss 18 days of the school year, you consider chronically absent. Now, the uh, federal government just put out 
um, that that's one of their measures that they're using to determine whether or not a school in a school district is successful. So even the federal government now has moved away from PARC, and now they're focusing more on chronic absenteeism with the understanding that if a child's not in a desk, if they're not there in front of a teacher, then it's very hard for them to learn and it's very hard for them to achieve. So uh, we're trying to find out why these students are absent. Once we find out why they're absent, instead of punitively you know, going after them and going after the family, what we do is we try to remediate any of the hurdles that they have that are, that are operating as barriers to get them to school and then ultimately to get them to learn. So if it's a matter of, you know, didn't come to school because he didn't sleep last night because he didn't have anything to eat, how do we get Johnny something to eat at night? Or if Johnny didn't come to school because he didn't do his homework last night and he was nervous because he didn't have lights in his house, how do we get Johnny's lights turned back on? And when we're saying Johnny, we're really talking about Johnny's mother and Johnny's father if they have him in the household. So it's supporting the whole family, not just the child. So um, we have 17 uh, people now who, who are on my staff whose only job starting on the first day of school is to identify the students who are chronically absent in the previous year and start working with those entire families to say, how can I get your kid to school? What do you need? You need a ride in the morning. You need a wake-up call. You need somebody to help you, you know, get your rent uh, fixed or your lights turned back on. You know, you, you got a baby. You need child care. You know, what is, whatever it's going to take to help you get your kid to school, I'm here to support you in that mission. And that's something we just started doing this year um, as a district level, but there's always been dedicated teachers. There's always been coaches. There's always been members of our community who have been, doing that already, you know, yeah. doing that already, yeah. barbers, mm-hmm. you know, and, again, little league coaches. They've always been there in, in some capacity, but now we're just formalizing that, and we're, we're hoping to have a, a, a real impact this year. Oh, no, that, that's, that, that's dynamic. That's that because that's actually what we have to do. And it's, it's ironic because what you were speaking of, TJ, I actually got a lot of that as a parent in Head Start. In Head Start, there was wraparound service at Ashu. Uh, yeah. uh, my daughter was in early Head Start where she mm-hmm. was getting service at the house. Like they were coming to the house and giving us service. And, and when the boys at that time, they were like, five years old, they were bringing toys for them, too. Like, nah, like wow. they want to make yeah. sure that everybody in that house is smooth, not just Alana at the time, you know? So that was a head start. And that's some of the things I say when I talk about educational reform. Like, why are we not taking some of these principles that I know was working, because I've seen it work for myself and others, and bring them into the, to the education world? So to hear you say sure. that, TJ, it's like, Ariga, like, finally, we starting to hear some people who think yeah. about things that's already been has started fifty years old. So these things have already yeah. been happening. It's just somehow education, right. the industry won't take something from other. I think Dr. Perry said it. He said, "If you want a great idea that's going to change the game, to die and fail, give it to education." And I was like, "Wow, what does he mean?" You know. So I, yeah. but then when I hear the parents, I hear educators, I hear teachers. Talk about the pressures and the things and all the ideas they have. Like, I hear a lot of teachers who have great ideas, but they, I ain't telling nobody because they ain't going to happen. And I'm like, really? So it's like, wow, like, you know, teachers, educators are feeling defeated. So how could I, how could we as a community expect to get the greatest product when the greatest leaders and instructors won't stick around because they don't want to deal with that, that, that weird stuff, that wonky stuff, you know? That's right. Yeah, that's right. 
So, so, no, no, so, guys, no, this, this is this is amazing because this is the type of conversation parents don't believe are happening. When I say they don't believe, a large um, picture. We talk about 1.4 million children go to free public schools in New Jersey. So that's a lot of parents mm-hmm. who truly don't have this opportunity to hear from people who sit in, in those trenches who want to change the game, who are changing the game, you know, and really get this conversation going. So this is why I thank you guys for being a part. So I wonder, okay. as we got 15 minutes left in the show, I do want if you guys each could take the opportunity to give my parents an opportunity of a message when it comes to the um, you know the, the requirements for high school graduate and just something to keep us in the spirit of hope that education is as we show it today is building that 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 that, that boil that change is coming and change is being built. So if you two could take an opportunity, yeah. like I said, I got 15 minutes left. I'm not holding you yeah. back on what you want to say, but this is your time. Um, yeah. TJ, I'm going to let you go first as the, the the new member of this family, of this community here at um, PEP, Parents Engage Your Parents. So, brother, if you could definitely give the parents something. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, again, I want to uh, just thank you for bringing us on the show and giving us the opportunity to uh, to share this important issue and, and also have a frank conversation. A lot of times we don't get a chance to just talk as, as normal human beings. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, but, but what I would say for parents in particular is, you know, don't hold your children back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we should all want more for our kids than we got ourselves. You know, I'm a junior. My father is uh, Theodore O'Neill Best Sr. I'm Theodore O'Neill Best Jr. My son is Theodore O'Neill Best III. And one of the things my father always told me was that, you know, he named me after him so that he could live through me, so that I could achieve more than what he did. You know, I was the first person in my family to uh, to go to college, the first person to graduate college, to get a master's, to buy a house, to, you know, just, just a lot of firsts. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I look back on my father and I think of all of the things that, you know, he wanted to do but he wasn't able to do, he never necessarily held me back. He pushed me to do more. And he told me at a young age, I want you to do more than me. He said, when you look at me, it's okay to be proud of me as your father, but I want you to achieve more than what I ever did. And, you know, so I tell that to our parents, you know, if you didn't have a good experience in high school, if you didn't have a good experience, don't force that on your kids. You know, don't say, oh, just because I didn't like that teacher or that principal who was ever there. You know, give your kids a chance themselves to, to figure it out a little bit, right? Support them. Um, if your kid tells you that they want to go to college after high school, then you know what? Figure out a way to make it work. Don't say, oh, I can't afford that. You can't go to college because I ain't got no money. You know, uh, and the crazy part is for the most parents who are quote unquote broke, you actually qualify for a lot. It's cheaper to go to college if you're broke than if you have means. If you're in the middle class, you're screwed, right? But um, if you huh. if you are quote unquote broke, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Huh. You can go to college for free. You can go to college for free. And, you know, so I, I always tell parents, you know, push your, push your children, you know, support your children, be there to, and, and again, understand what they're going through, you know, and even though you may not understand everything that they're going through, understand at least that that they're their own person, that mm-hmm. they're their own person, they have their own ideas, encourage them 
You know, everybody's going to make mistakes, you know, um, but just make sure you allow them to make those mistakes, allow them to learn from the mistakes, but also make sure that those mistakes don't follow them for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, I think graduating high school is a must. Everyone must graduate high school. That's the bare minimum, right? I used to believe that everybody needed to go to college. I don't believe that anymore, right? I don't think you need to go to college. I think it's very, very nice to have. I think it will benefit you to have a college degree but also have that college experience. But without question, you got to at least graduate high school. So uh, I'm glad that's where we're starting as a starting mark. Um, and, again, parents, don't be scared to ask for help. There's people out there who will help you. You know, there's a lot of resources that exist in the world. Um, if you can't find it in your local community, you know, reach out. There's a whole statewide network, you know, brothers like you. Um, and I appreciate you, uh, again, for being there to, to support our parents. No, thank you, man. And I'm able to stand tall on the shoulders of the parents, yet as I stand tall, I go and grab brothers like you guys who know what you're talking about and bring them to the <laughs> table so the parents can get the real. Because, like I said, I'm not the guru, but I am never afraid to engage parents, engage the parents. <laughs> oh, Principal Mickens, get the parents something, man, to let yeah. let them know what we need to do to meet these high school requirements. And also the hope, the education, we got something coming. We just got, we got this patience, man, we got, but we got something brewing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just to kind of piggyback on what PJ said a bit, um, you know, there's organizations like Parents Engaging Parents that are so vital, right, because you keep parents informed. And parents need to be informed of what's going on with their children in schools. You know, parents need to get more involved. I stress it a lot. I tell parents, hold educators accountable, including myself. I need you to check in. I need you to call. I need you to email. I need you to document these things because your child's future is at stake. Don't just depend on the educator to drive it home all the time. You know, they're there to support you in your child's endeavors. It can't be a one-way street. It has to be a two-way street. So I'm telling parents constantly, you know, I understand you're working. I understand you're busy. You know, you're trying to keep a roof over your head and your children's head and food on the table. I said, but that shouldn't stop you from constant communication. That shouldn't stop you from if I can't get into the school to see the principal or the guidance counselor or the teacher face-to-face, that doesn't stop me from picking up the phone. You know, that shouldn't stop me from if I have computer access to get to that computer. By any means necessary, you should be checking in your children. And I think what happens is, especially at the high school level, parents and guardians have the tendency to kind of back off a bit because they feel like the children are old enough, they're more responsible enough, they can kind of take care of themselves, when in fact it's the total opposite. In high school, they need their parents, they need the guardians more than ever. You know, there's a lot at stake in high school. You know, as Brother TJ alluded to, you know, what are next steps for me after high school? I want to go to college. Do I want to go to college? I want to go into trade school. Do I want to go into the military? Do I want to go into the industry? These are real tough decisions that have to be made. And the parents should be there every step of the way with support of the teachers, with support of the guidance counselors and the principals in making these decisions, helping the child make the decisions that can ultimately affect their lives, you know. So I, I say to parents, get more involved, get more engaged, hold educators accountable, partner with educators for the betterment of your children, and normally when that happens, the outcome is more favorable than not. It really is. And as far as the high school graduation goes, again, piggybacking off what TJ stated, it's mandatory, bare minimum, as he mentioned, a high school diploma, 
you should have. I mean, that right there should be the foundation to everything. Now, whether or not you decide to go to college after that, it's quite up to you. But at least you have the foundation that's been pretty much laid, and you can work from that. You can work from that foundation that has been laid. That gives you options in life. As opposed to you don't have it, it leaves you stagnant. It leaves you with less options and less opportunity there. So definitely a must for a high school diploma. And parents just have to stay the course with their children. We understand at times they can go astray. They can get off task. But we have to stay on top of them with the support of the schools. And I believe when doing that, you know, again, as I mentioned, the outcome will be favorable. I definitely appreciate that so much, man. And because I got TJ on the right now, and you kind of segue into something I definitely know is a hot topic, and that is definitely what's going on with our absenteeism, absenteeism. And I definitely would like if I could get you back on the line, TJ, at another um, opportunity to talk more in depth on that because you were talking about some, not just as an issue, but you were talking about some ways you were going in to getting at that issue. And I definitely know there's other districts and towns, especially the one my children go to, North, where we definitely need to understand what's going on with absenteeism, things that we could do. I remember what truancy was about. So I would love if we could get you back on another show, TJ. Um, and, and, and I even love the energy so much. As, uh, you know, Mr. Principal Mickens, if you could come back with us, you know, and talk about absenteeism with us, because I'm sure Absolutely. you definitely have an appreciation for that coming from your educational um, career. So I'll definitely um, charm back in with you guys to um, attempt to lock that hot topic up again. And I just thank everybody who tunes in, listens in to Parents Engaging Parents and letting it be understood that we're just a parent organization, you know, organizing parents, leading parents into a program where we can be able to create sustainable structure of grassroots activities to grow the network of parents from across this whole state. You know who could be independently active, activated and advocates for the issues that's most important to our children. You know, and currently right now we even we have parents in Patterson, Atlantic City, Camden, Willenboro, Trenton. You know, throughout the state who are engaging us with parents engaging parents. So I definitely want people to continue to tune and listen and understand that we have some we have some definitely leadership trainings coming up. Um, down the way, so please stay tuned, stay listening. Our leadership trainings are focused on leading, learning how to build power in our schools and our community at large, and current policies and issues that will impact our children's education, because I say it all the time. We definitely need to be there helping our schools in our classrooms, with our homework, with the different things that go on inside that building. But we definitely have to learn to advocate for what goes on outside that building when we talk about our policies and legislation. And the things that I'm hearing our educators like yourselves are speaking on, we need to support you. We need to know your issues. You teachers, you educators, they look at y'all different because y'all get paid to do this. We need to be parents who champion behind you guys and knowing that we benefit from that hard work you know, I know people like you and TJ, Principal Mickens, go to work at 7 o'clock and come home at 7 o'clock. <laughs> you know, I know you're not stuck on contracts. You're stuck on love and desire for our babies. And it's important that you guys, you know, keep tuning in. So definitely understand that parents are being built up to be partners in this experience with you guys. Because 
full partners in our children's education experience. So we're at PEP building that team, that energy, that wave of parents across the state to be right there to um, be supportive of what the work you guys have been doing. So what makes us so much different is that we definitely understand that the direction of us is parents and we're not top heavy with advocates who telling us what to do. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a person who understands that if we bring the resources together, we can have the power to change things. So thank you so much, listeners. Thank you so much, guests, for coming on. Please continue to listen up. We have another episode that's coming up real soon, and we're going to do a deep dive in segregation in New Jersey. Is it real? Is it happening? Let's talk about it. Thank you, guys. Tune in. Once again, be peace. Excuse me. Once again, peace and blessings to us all. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you.